Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome to the Salty Brother podcast. Um, we are on uh, episode one, and we have our guest Anna Weiss. Um, Anna Weiss is just coming off of uh, the Tokyo 2021 Olympics, where she sailed the the NACRA 17, um, and we had a pretty cool conversation about her campaign life, about partner Riley Gibbs, kind of about her mental state post Olympics, and and some other fun stuff. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy. Nice. Welcome, Anna. Anna, so let's just uh, jump right into it here. Um, a few years ago, you're hanging out in Boston or Florida or wherever you are, and you're kind of doing whatever you do. Um, and then Riley calls you up on the phone and uh, kind of asks you to go catamaran sailing. What was what was that kind of story like? Can you walk us through that experience? Yeah, so I was actually rowing at uh, BU, where I am now, and Riley gave me a phone call during my exams in the fall and he yeah he basically said do you want to campaign for Tokyo um and I was like whoa like hold on I need to I need to finish studying for my epidemiology exam right now <laughs> um but he I like talked to him more and more about it and he had a he had a plan and I just made sure that everything was kind of set and at the time it was it was an amazing opportunity for me because I had always dreamed of going to the Olympics and I didn't really want to uh regret not taking that opportunity with Riley um and I'm really glad that I did obviously <laughs> now was there like a tryout stage or did he run you through some tests or was it just uh, offer right off the bat <laughs> well I he knew that I had to leave school and that was a big commitment for me and so we kind of both just decided that this was going to be um something that we were going to work towards together and obviously like I hadn't done any trapeze sailing any double-handed sailing at all so um Riley also took a big leap for putting his trust in me that you know we could get um we could learn together and and make it so um I think it was just a big kind of open learning experience and trusting each other no, I think, um, I mean, you're, you're seem like a very kind of everything you do super confident and kind of just throw your, yourself into it. So I, I know you, you were saying lasers then, right. As well as rowing. So kind of going from to catamaran sailing, was that like intimidating at all? Or kind of, were you ever like, Oh, I'm not sure if I can do it. Or do you just kind of full in ready to go? Um, it was a little intimidating. I think, um, I was confident in my fitness and my strength. And so I knew that that would kind of help me going into it. Um, but I, I think I was a little naive going into it and how much, um, how much learning that there was to do and still is to do just in sailing in general. And, um, I think, yeah, I quickly learned that this was like going to be a big, big, um, learning process and it was going to take a lot of hard work. Yeah, I bet it. I bet it's something you uh, you kind of never get comfortable with with that kind of boat. Pretty pretty wild. Yeah. For yeah. There, sure. Are there any big like uh, takeaways from kind of learning the the crewing side of it? Because I think all of us have done the skipper and the crew side, so I think it's it's the a different role to step into, and especially if you've never done double handing and then come in as a crew. Yeah, I think well like I said, I was pretty naive to all of it. So, um, communication was obviously 
a big thing getting used to and just feeling comfortable and confident talking all the time, um, kind of owning, owning your role. Um, and the whole apparent wind sailing thing was completely new to me too. So that was like a big um, eye-opening thing. And you can, you're always learning about that as well. And how, um, especially with the foiling platform, you know, that adds a whole nother dimension and, and how you're trimming and, and moving around the boat. Um, so I think, well, something that's really cool about the NACRA is like, there's never, there's never really like a, a right way to do it. It's always just like, how can you get the job as fast done as fast as possible? It doesn't really matter how you get it done. Um, and obviously you learn more efficient ways and all that, but it's really exciting because it's so dynamic and um, you're always kind of finding the yeah, next best thing. On that. Yeah, and just for <laughs> just for people that kind of, hold on, just for people like the audience, people listening that kind of don't know everything about the, these classes, like, like Anna went from kind of, doing single-handed sailing in a laser that has like years and years of kind of routine and everyone has been doing it for hundreds of years in the same way and, and there's a lot of like discipline in that and then going to a class that's like pretty much new they they just added foils like in the last four years um and it's like a boat that kind of has a ton of innovation in it um, right away um, so that, that just is a, a wild transition. <laughs> no, I, I think the, my question is very similar <laughs> to that in that, um, I think you being a, a female crew is, is a little bit unique, uh, as well. And like, you have to learn from, uh, guys that might be like, David is a beast and you're a beast as well, but I'm sure he can do a couple of things that maybe you can't, or, you know, so you're learning the best way that you can do it. And I think that's, uh, a very unique uh, aspect, you know, like for me in the 49er is like, I could talk to somebody and it's like, this is the best way to do it. We're about the same size, about the same strength, you know? So I think that's an interesting part of the NACA sailing for sure. For sure. And and definitely with female skippers or female crews, you know, you kind of have to divvy up the roles and what you think is going to be best for you both getting the job done. Cause at the end of the day, it's a team it's a team sport and you're, it's not like one person does this job, one person does this job. It's kind of like, how can we both do, make the boat go as fast as possible together? Um, so it's really interesting on how different teams, you know, um, work together towards that same goal. How do you think your kind of rowing influence and like workout and, and athletic influence kind of affected your campaign? Like even looking at Riley's side, you know, I can't imagine Riley kind of being in the gym every day. I, I've never seen that from him, but maybe maybe something has changed. So were you kind of the leader on that or were you pushing him? How did that work as a team? Um, <laughs> I don't know if Riley would kill me for saying this, but I, I, I don't, Riley got into cycling, but he was never really into the gym stuff. I was kind of always into the gym stuff myself, but I think it gave me something kind of um, to work on myself. You know, it was, it was a nice, a little bit of escape for me. Um, and it really came down to like me just pushing myself and me um, improving myself. And um, I think that kind of gave me the confidence to bring that over to the NACA sailing and just um, knowing that my fitness was there and my strength was there. Um, so that was kind of like a personal thing for me um, to bring to the team. So I think, yeah, at the end of the day, that that gave me the confidence yeah the totally yeah um I, I yeah so i think would. the yeah. campaign like splitting up roles is also an interesting thing so kind of what were you in charge of 
in your campaign to get to the Olympics? Um, so kind of going into it, I was like, I've only done, I had only done youth sailing and I was like in college. So I literally knew nothing about Olympic campaigning and Riley had done a little bit himself. And so I think he knew a lot more going into it, but most of the time we were all just, we we're both just kind of learning together on what the best thing is. And like Riley kind of took over the, the funding or the financial stuff a little bit, you know, cause he, he knew the equipment the best and he knew what he thought we needed for, you know, sales, boats, everything like that. Um, and then we kind of both just discussed planning and what we thought was going to be the best um, move, you know, next in our campaign. And because it was so short, we didn't really have that many options to kind of decide what we were going to do. So um, be this is also before the postponement, you know, like we had to go to Palma, we had to go to these next events, you know, we had to go to our world championship because that was our trials. Um, so it was kind of a clear cut path of, of our, you know, campaign. So that was kind of nice. And then we were both working on the fundraising. Um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of how we split up our campaign. I think it was kind of both of us, no really like definite roles for sure, but Riley <laughs> did do the boat work. <laughs> yeah, that's his expertise. Um, how, how long did you have uh, yeah. <laughs> from uh, drop, not quitting school, but stepping away from school and uh, to the Olympic trials? About ten, uh, 11 months, because our first, our yeah, worlds were in the summer, right? One, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so we started sailing in, in January of 2019, so um, it was a really quick learning process and learning curve. Um, it's funny, like, thinking back on, on where we were before the pandemic and that extra year that we were given, um, you're kind of just like, oh, how did we do that? <laughs> because we learned so much throughout this past year so um I think it's pretty exciting and and cool to kind of see that how how hard we worked that year to kind of get to yeah, the games I guess that's my that was my next question is the pandemic and kind of helping in a in a weird way for you guys at least yeah because I feel like most people when they start out um you know especially like in the 49er you know you dedicate like a year to, you stay stateside and then you do, you know, boat handling just over and over and over again. And you do speed work and understanding apparent wind and like literally breaking it down to the basics. And we never really had that because we were straight into racing. Like, I'm pretty sure we had like, well, we, I had sailed about seven days and then we got straight into Miami OCR. And then we had like, you know, two weeks of training and then we went to Palma. So we were literally just racing the whole time. And we never actually had that um, breakdown of like, all right, how do you tack? How do you jive? Um, you know, apparent wind sailing, like all that. Um, and so when the pandemic started, we, I remember we were in Long Beach and we towed upwind all the way to Cabrillo, like three days in a row. And all we did was jiving. And it was like, it was so eye-opening. Um, and like we sailed, I sailed with a head cam and it was so eye-opening just to learn the steps and like how to jive and like the mechanics of the boat, how the boat feels underneath me. Um, and like before that, we never really would have the opportunity to, you know, tow upwind and do all those jibes, um, especially because it takes two seconds to get downwind and it takes, you know, a lot longer to get upwind. Um, so that, in that way, it helped us so much because like we're, we're behind in that sense. 
um, you know, we could kind of get by in racing, but like we wanted to be the team that could gain on a jibe, not lose on a jibe. Um, and so it was really helpful to have that. And that Long Beach training was uh, after you guys had qualified. Yeah. <laughs> after we had qualified. Yeah. So the games were postponed in March, actually on my birthday. <laughs> it was like a weird birthday present. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but um, yeah, it was after. And then we had like, you know, a few months off um, right, right when the pandemic hit, which was like March. So we started back up in like July, I want to say of 2020. So um, Anna, that we kind of, this podcast is kind of surrounded around kind of ocean topics and like people's connections to the ocean. And I feel like when, when we think about like these crazy foiling catamarans and, and like extreme sailing and Olympic sailing, like I think sometimes the ocean is like kind of separated from that. And you're almost, in my experience, like you're almost too separated from it to like enjoy it because you're too focused on that, the boat and like the racing and stuff. Um, and I'm wondering like, if you've kind of had that experience or do you think you would go back to something more simple around the ocean or do you enjoy the kind of extreme racing intense Olympic stuff? Or do you kind of like the, uh, the more hanging out on the, on the rowboat or just enjoy yeah. the ocean? Kind of what do you, what do you take from each, each part? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think every time I'm out on the water, it's like, it's such a unique experience, you know, whatever the conditions are um, because the ocean is so dynamic. It's so changing. It's like, it is a different experience every time. Um, and I, it's interesting that you asked this question because a part of me is like, I love the extreme racing and excitement, but the other part of me is like, I'm always like, wow, like I would love to go laser sailing because you're so connected to the ocean and to the waves, like, right. Like much in, in a different way, like in an actor you are too. Um, yeah. but I think it's different and like, really feeling the boat um and being so close connected and like every time I'm home like every day I'll go jump in the ocean and swim in the ocean just because I love it's it's just so freeing um and I think just in general that's why I love sailing is because you know you get to you get to be on the water and like you think of all the people who have that experience just being out in the middle of the ocean it's like it's so rare um and so I think it's a really special thing that you know, we get to do every day. Yeah, that's an interesting, I, I think I had that uh, experience in the FJ, like in college this year, mm -hmm. like the FJ is even lamer than the, the laser, but <laughs> um, you're still moving pretty slowly over the waves. And I feel like coming from like kite racing and, and other stuff, like I was like, oh, I have so much time to make all these choices, like in the race course and everything was moving slowly. But but I feel like because the the type of boat that you're in, like every little tiny wave matters downwind and like every little yeah. kind of thing makes a difference versus like when you're foiling like you miss a lot because you're just going so fast and and not everything like affects you like it does on a small boat where like every little chop will slow you down kind of thing yeah. so I feel like there is a, a sort of like deeper connection with those boats that are more like in tune with the water I guess mm -hmm. so that's a good point but yeah. yeah and then rowing I guess I, rowing might even be more separated I don't know because you're you're just like working so much harder I guess but yeah I think I think it's interesting like rowing and sailing because in rowing you're not really like you're not getting wet um and so it's but it's interesting because it's quiet um and you can kind of like 
you'll hear you'll hear the boat like the click of like when you're feathering your blade or like when the blade's entering the water and it's like hearing just those those sounds it kind of it's in its own way peaceful um I think the ocean I mean we're rowing on the Charles and it's like dirty a little bit and um fresh water kind of but I think the ocean is just special um I think the salt water like makes you feel different it has like that feeling you probably know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah <laughs> I was I was just up in Hood um, River just, and yeah. them off yeah. of like foiling all day and you kind of get off the water you're like I there's no salt you know it's weird um yeah it's super weird it's super weird and like I I was talking I think to Steph Robel about this and since she grew up sailing on lakes she said she's like I hate being in, like salty and I was like I'm the opposite like I could I could stay salty all the time salty sister I, think, I don't know I don't know if that's weird or not <laughs> yeah I feel like there's a moment where you go to, to fresh water and then you're like wow this does feel nice like my face is not like uh-huh. falling off but yeah the salt, the salt <laughs> yeah. is good for sure so um jump in kind of changing directions here like um <laughs> final thing about riley here and then we'll we'll leave him alone but um like i sailed with riley for a few years um kind of back when he was be, you know before he was a big famous sailor and before he kind of had everything figured out in his like foiling and, and performance boat and and when when he when i stepped in with him like I've been kind of, I was in the tornado and we, I've been kind of doing it for a little bit longer than he was. And, and he was just kind of stepping in fresh. Um, and I feel like for, for the year that I sailed with him, like really competitively, I kind of had that leader role. Um, and I kind of was the one who was kind of making the bigger ch- choices and like kind of the one with the final, the final call and, and, and taking that, um, that kind of first skipper role. Um, and then I, I haven't really sailed with him since then. And I know like he's kind of, he's changed so much because that was a long time ago. And I'm kind of wondering if you could talk about your roles on the boat um, and if you thought it was good or if you thought it was bad or kind of what, what, what would you have changed and, and what do you liked about it too? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I feel like I could answer it in a lot of different ways. Um, I think stepping in, you know, Riley was, had a big leader role because, he was so experienced just with foiling and double-handed sailing and um, apparent wind sailing and just, just in general. And I think I didn't know anything. And so he did take on that leader role. And I think as I was learning more and more and more, I found it really challenging to kind of believe in myself and own my roles because I think it was, it's like this interesting dynamic because like he had to be that leader role, but eventually like as I started to pick up on things and, 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 you know, learn myself, it was like harder for me to be confident that I knew what I was doing. Um, and so that was like one thing that I really struggled with the past two and a half years is like, how can I own my role? How can I believe that I'm doing the right thing? Like, how can I make sure, or how, like, how can I make mistakes and then learn from them? And like, I was almost like scared to make mistakes. Um, and that was definitely something like challenging to navigate. Um, and so eventually I, you know, the more and more that I was sailing and and kind of like believing in myself, I think um, is almost like the better I got. Um, and so I think it was like a big mindset 
mindset thing that I had to just like believe that I could I was capable of doing the jobs well um yeah yeah that that totally makes sense and at the Olympics do you think that was just like a, a nice progression as you guys trained into it and as you did events into it or or did things kind of change when you got to the Olympics in in what sense in like your in your role in your roles like in your communication like the way you sailed together were things pretty much the same or did you kind of change anything up um I think it well I, I think it was similar I think we definitely had our days that we struggled um and definitely had our days that we were you know really connected and communicating well um I I kind of had this little bit of epiphany there that I was like this is it just doesn't really matter anymore. And I just need to, to own, like, I'm not going to get any better. I'm not going to get any worse. Um, and so I just need to own everything that I do, even if it's wrong, I'd rather it be wrong and me own it than, um, you know, maybe, you know, just not do it or whatever. So, um, yeah, totally. It was, it was definitely, it was definitely interesting, our, our dynamic. And I think, you know, it was, it was challenging because the racing was so, like, it was the highest level of racing, you know, we've ever seen and everyone was fast. So um, you kind of didn't really have any room to hold back. Yeah, I guess um, my next question would be that yeah, it, a lot of people say that the Olympics is one of the easier events just from a mental, like everybody seems to collapse or something happens, you know, because you've been working for four years like what was your experience kind of with the mental state of we're at the Olympics and we've been training for this and, and now it's here, you know? So I kind of went into it like really excited. And, um, that being said, like, it was also one of the most emotional experiences of my life. Like I was, I probably felt like every emotion in that those four weeks that I was in Japan, um, and it was interesting to see other teams because a lot of the experienced teams did really well. Um, you know, people who had been to the games before. And I think in the past year with the pandemic, everyone was working extremely hard. And so like it, it was just kind of, it was kind of insane how high the level was, you know, like the top, top 10 boats were like always fighting, like really, close to each other and so um we had raced in Santander like uh two months before the games and um we we did quite well and we were a little nervous going into that because you know we hadn't raced against anybody in over a year and so um we did well and so I think we were confident going into the games but at the same time my attitude toward it is we like had nothing to lose because it was our first games and we just had to have fun because at the end of the day that's all that really matters you know just try your best and have fun and I know that sounds so childish but like it's it's true <laughs> um and so that was kind of my my attitude going into it and I think I think it did us wonders you know like just thinking of it as a learning experience because after the first two days you know we kind of realized all right you know maybe going the idea of going into this like looking for a medal isn't really realistic um even though like if we sailed well like anyone was kind of capable um but you know it was it was a realization like respecting our competitors and all their hard work and their experience you know you look at Santi and he's almost like three times my age um and you know he's a legend in the sport and so just understanding that and realizing that um I think was 
was huge for for both of us like I think yeah that sounds uh that sounds perfect like I feel like I hear a lot of times that people kind of put too much pressure on themselves and like too much emphasis on the on the racing and stuff and then the the experience like whizzes by and then all of a sudden you forgot to enjoy it and you forgot to like take it in so it sounds like you guys kind of had the right idea for that yeah I mean I definitely like I wouldn't say that the whole time you know we had that attitude I think it was definitely yeah of course I mean, yeah. at least yeah at least for at least for me like it was sometimes you paid attention to racing yeah right? <laughs> yeah well it's it's hard because when you're when you're in the moment like you think like that's the only thing that matters but then if you look at it you know I found myself like looking looking at it from an outside perspective a lot more like how lucky we were to to be there and you know the you think about the amount of Olympians there are in the world and it's just like the smallest percentage um and yeah you just kind of had it I think at the end of the day you like I was reflecting on how how grateful I was to be there um even regardless of the outcome um and obviously like that being said like I do want to win a medal one day um but you know just that that specific moment and this game it was our first games you know it's not it wasn't like the end of the world um you know doesn't mean you don't have bigger goals and so I guess that leads totally. to uh, what's your plans after, or what's your next Olympic sailing plans? <laughs> I'm sure you get this question um, a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, kind of to be determined. You know, right now I'm really focused on school, and I'm back on the rowing team, and so uh, that's kind of my next um, goal in life is just to get my degree because obviously I pushed that off um, for two and a half years because of the postponement. Um, and so, yeah, just rowing, seeing what I can do in that sport. And then eventually, you know, for sure coming back to, um, to Olympic sailing. And I, I see myself at least going through LA with, with, you know, the, the right teammate and whoever that may be. And, um, in the, do you want to do the NACRA again? (laughs) Yeah. And are you, yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not committing to anything. I think, um, I think, you know, there's, I think everything happens for a reason. So whatever kind of comes my way and vice versa. So I think, yeah, I'm excited for the future, but right now I'm just trying to pass my classes. <laughs> Great way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think the last Nice. My last question yeah, is kind of, um, I think you posted about this on social media a little bit, um, but kind of what's your mentality like post games? Like how does that mental kind of health uh, look, you know, like I, and I know a lot of people struggle with you stop the campaign and then there's, it's kind of like you're starting over or you don't really know which direction to go into. And I think you at least have school to kind of dive back into, but kind of how was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So honestly, it's been like probably the hardest month of my life. Um, mental health wise, I think I, I got back from the games and I didn't really think about the potential for you to have like this down. Um, I know like if you go like, this is such a kind of lame example, but if you go to a concert, like of your favorite artists, and then the next day you're so sad, you know, it's like, it's kind of like that on, on steroids and I know my dad's friend kind of decided or described it as like a cocaine addict 
coming off of its high, like just quitting cold turkey, um, because you've you know you've worked towards this one goal for two and a half years, um, and then all of a sudden it's just like gone, um, and you know you're running off of adrenaline at the games, like you're running off of emotion, um, and I I had a really hard time probably like a week after I got home. Well, probably two weeks after I got home. The first week I was just jet lagged. So I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and then I went to visit a friend and then I came back and it it like really hit me hard. Um, and it was, I, I part of me knew it wasn't gonna last forever, but it, at the time it was like really hard to get through and I thought it was never gonna end. Um, and I think, knowing then that I had to come back to school, it was like super overwhelming. And I got here and, you know, I'm trying to like figure out my COVID test, figure out, you know, my rowing practice, figure out my classes, like, where am I gonna go? Moving into my apartment, um, meeting with all these people. Um, and it was just like such a big life transition after um, that it was just like, and it kept me busy. So I think it, it like that helped, but um, you know, when you like finally at the end of the day, when you like sit down and you have time to reflect, it's like the most overwhelming feeling. And so, um, I think, I think it's important to talk about because I, lots of people don't realize, um, how hard it can be even, even for like athletes who are supposed to be like, you know, mentally tough and, um, yeah, it's, it was definitely, it was definitely hard. And I think I'm starting to settle into classes in school here now, but, you know, you still are, are wondering, like, what's my next thing going to be, even though I have, you know, for the next year planned, it's like, well, what's my next thing going to be? Um, and I think, yeah, just trying to like be present in the moment is, is what I'm trying to do, but it's, it's definitely hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even just like, I feel like just taking away the challenge too of like things to be like things in the future that you're either stressed about or, or, something that's like challenging to you like the minute you take that challenge away I feel like that kind of drive and everything kind of goes away so uh, I feel like it, it's talked about a bit in the Olympics like I've definitely heard a, a lot about that um, but I feel like it's also overlooked because people are like oh like you just went to the Olympics like how can you be sad afterward you know like yeah um, it's kind of yeah. an overlooked thing so it's cl I'm glad that like people are talking about it because I feel like even though the experience is like the same like the emotions can be the same as like kind of anything that you do you know I just got back from uh three weeks in in Mexico on my motorcycle and now I'm like sitting at home doing nothing so you know I have <laughs> basically the same thing you know yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's, def it's definitely uh definitely something overlooked and you know you have a lot of people asking you um wow it must have just or they're like telling you wow like that's amazing it must have been the most incredible experience this is this. And then you're also sitting here, like you're thinking of all the good times, but then you're also thinking of like the times you're screaming, crying, like overwhelmed. Um, you know, you didn't have a good day on the water. You didn't have this. And it's like some of the hardest times in your life. And you're like, well, how can you sit here and tell every single person who's talking to you that like, oh, actually, you know, it wasn't all that it's made up to be. Um, and so I think that kind of like, you're like wrestling with the fact of like, do I share this person? And you're like, also, I don't want to overshare, <laughs> but also like, you don't want, you don't want people to like, I don't know. It's just like a hard balance of like, yes, with my family, you know, I share everything, but 
with every every person who's supporting you you're like how how can I like I, I don't know it's just like almost like you're lying to them in a, in a sense you're like not telling them the full truth but then again it's like not your it's your story to share so um but I think it was that was hard for me like what do I say what do I don't and then it got to the point where I was like I can't talk about the Olympics anymore because all I'm thinking about is like some of the hard time harder times that I had to go through um and I think that was like paired with like the anxiety depression after the game so um yeah it's definitely definitely a lot and I'm now like starting to talk about the experience more and more but for a while there I was like literally don't <laughs> don't talk to me <laughs> good thing we caught you at this time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well you. I would talk to you guys yeah. <laughs> yeah well I'm sure it'll get better as time goes by and then you find you kind of find your next thing that you're excited about and mm-hmm. then it'll all start over again so yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool well, we'll let no, you, uh, done. you have any more questions? Dan? Do you have any questions, Anna? <laughs> we'll let you get back to your homework, you know? <laughs> no, oh, I miss you, miss too, you Anna. guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks yeah. for coming on. Good to talk to you. And um, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You are, Do I get a t-shirt? Yeah. T-shirt. <laughs> you got a comment. Yeah. On our, you got a comment on our latest okay, post. Dane, you know, we're doing no, no, no. <laughs> Dane, Dane promised me a t-shirt like for a long time. So I'm trying yeah i'm trying to get to commit it on the air and you get a t-shirt we'll send you something yeah you might need that in writing (laughs) need it in writing or voice recording all right well exactly all right that could be a that could be the new podcast deal we'll get more guests you know yeah a (laughs) t-shirt the bare minimum (laughs) coming your way yeah yeah great this was fun thanks anna thanks for having me let's go Yeah. Welcome to the vlog. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.